Welcome to Unchained TV, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and the founder of the Unchained TV free streaming network, Jane Velez Mitchell. You're about to hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your health, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Oh my gosh. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to be here. We have three extraordinarily talented authors. We've got one, they're all across the world. I think two of them are in Miami, and one is what, Australia? New Zealand. New Zealand. All right. We've got three authors using their creative talents to speak for animals. So much to get to. I would like to start, you you get the I'm farthest away, so you get to talk first award, MC Ronan. You have written incredible, incredible books. Uh, you've got your latest book, which is Dear Tui, A Warning. Tell me what this book is about. This book is a climate fiction. It's a climate crisis novel. It stemmed out of my frustration and fear that um, climate change is obviously real. It's happening now. It's not some distant problem that we have to deal with. It's happening right now. And my frustration grew, sted grows steadily because we don't give animal agriculture enough space in the way that we talk about mitigating this disaster. And so uh, in my book, all my books are very um, um, action driven. So they ask you to do something mainly go vegan but um there are fiction books so it's a gut-wrenching story um it's very hard-hitting tale about climate crisis and the message is very clear we have to go vegan we have to adopt a plant-based economy in order to save ourselves um i can keep going and talking about my book <laughs> Just no, it's absolutely <laughs> fascinating. And I want to show the book uh, while we look at images of climate change. Here is the book, Dear Tui, A Warning. And you can get it now on Amazon. Uh, you can pre-order it. I believe it comes out in September. And I also want to mention that you're the author of three other books, a trilogy, the shed liberation and it was in our hands and honestly these are so extraordinary if there's anybody in the movie business watching this consider that this could be the next jk rowlings that you're talking to today and please 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 um, read these books for the possibility of turning them into a screenplay that would be right up there with Harry Potter because this is truly compelling and you are extraordinarily prolific, absolutely amazing. So The Shed, Liberation, it was in our hands and now, Dear Tui, a warning. So I told you we have two books that we're talking about today. The Thing, or let me just say it exactly as it's written thing thing inside the struggle for animal personhood and um, this is a very very inspiring inspiring book because it's about a real life animal an animal named happy ironically titled a miserable elephant trapped in the bronx zoo named happy 
And there has been a battle for years to get happy out of the Bronx Zoo. And I'm going to play you a little video before we go to the two authors who are here with us from Miami, I believe. Let's get up to date on the issue surrounding Happy the Elephant, and then we will talk to the authors. Happy the elephant. You'll see Happy has some hay and stuff on her back, but they do this to keep the bugs off. Keep an elephant properly in the zoo. And the Bronx Zoo knows he can't do that. They know you can't do that. That's why they said that they're, that they're going to close their elephant exhibit after the elephants die. Well, why don't they close it you know, now? Why don't they send them to a sanctuary now? have begun litigating our cases, first on behalf of chimpanzees, now on behalf of elephants, because we can use the affidavits of really the greatest chimpanzee experts and the greatest elephant experts uh, that show that chimpanzees and elephants are autonomous beings who can choose how to live their lives, and they're extraordinarily cognitively complex. Oh, absolutely beautiful. So I would like to go straight out to Sam and Cynthia Machado, who have put together this extraordinary book. Um, thank you for joining us. And it's not just a written book. It is a book that has incredible artwork in it. So let me first show the actual cover. And again, you can get this on Amazon thing inside the struggle for animal personhood. And then I want to show some of the incredibly beautiful depictions of this struggle. And as you heard Stephen Wise from the Non-Human Rights Project mention, it's not just elephants, although that certainly would be an, incre an incredible victory to get them personhood. It's also primates and frankly, every other sentient being. Take it away, Sam. Hi guys. So yeah, you saw a um, video of uh, our co-author, Steve, um, you know, Steve's a close personal friend, and he has been leading this fight for non-human personhood uh, for now almost 30 years. Uh, his first cases involving chimpanzees uh, was the subject of a documentary. You saw a little bit of that, of that there. But he partnered with us to write this graphic novel about Happy almost five years ago. Um, and we got a, a backdoor seat almost, you know, got uh, taken inside the non-human rights project to see how they form these cases, why these cases are so important. And really the struggle that the zoos have been putting up to uh, prevent something like this from a court recognizing that perhaps Happy might have some bodily liberty, some rights to herself. I mean, when we look back in history and we think about what we have done to these animals, uh, shame on us as the human race. Shame on us. Uh, just the idea that we would kidnap these animals from the wild and then put them in these glorified prisons called zoos. And, you know, we are paying the price now with climate change because it's all interconnected. Uh, wildlife destruction is because of habitat destruction. You destroy their habitat, you're going to destroy the animals who live in that habitat. And then you're talking about wildlife extinction. And it's coming back to us because as we destroy their homes, 
we're also destroying our ability to absorb carbon because trees absorb carbon photosynthesis that's why we have trees because they take the carbon and they turn it into plants and they turn it into trunks and leaves and so we are just actually not seeing how we are sabotaging ourselves cynthia when we abduct and torture these animals absolutely we need actually something that calls more for uh, a call to have rights of nature uh rights of animals we already bring these animals into our societies and as a society of humans we need to be able to incorporate their rights as well as our rights um all you know it's going to lift all of our rights up to be able to acknowledge that these beings are autonomous and that the earth actually needs more stewardship than it does of our taking the resources right out for our own personal use so let me ask a provocative question here um a lot of people are not reading anymore <laughs> i myself have to confess that i listen to most books on audible or I watch, I read, yes, I have read on Kindle when I'm at the airport, but generally I'm listening on Audible to books and I'm also um, reading articles, more articles than actual books. Um, I have to go back to MC Ronan. You've written all these trilogies, but I know we have discussed how some of them would make great movies. First of all, are you on Audible? Do you have plans to get on Audible? I do have plans to go on Audible. Uh, I'm not yet there. So um, it's definitely in the plans. It's a big undertaking. So if people um, get my books, read them more, and uh, get them far and wide further, then definitely Audible is next. Well, yes. I mean, I would do everything you can because honestly, I think more people are listening to books on Audible than they are reading um, hardcover books. And when they are reading, they're reading a lot of times on Kindle. I mean, I see it with myself, I'm on the airport, you know, that's, that's one of the high times when people actually read books is when they're at the airport. And even then, uh, a vast majority of people on planes are, are uh, either watching movies or they're looking at it on Kindle, which, are you on Kindle? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So the if you pre-order the book, which I recommend, is a, it's in the format of an ebook. The actual launch is nine is sixth uh, of September, where you can actually buy um, a paper, um, a printed paper book. All right, we've got some callers coming in. Nilo Far from Dallas, Texas. Your question or thought for our three extraordinary authors who are joining us today. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, what do we mean? I, I looked it up and I couldn't find it. What, what did you mean when you titled the book Dear Tui? Thanks. Great question. Yeah, take it for granted. So I'm from Aotearoa, New Zealand, and Tui is one of our national birds. It's a beautiful bird with a little um, napkin here, white. It's a it's a beautiful bird, native to New Zealand, um, and also a name, a, a, a personal name, first name for uh, mostly girls, I think. So in this book, Tui is a girl. Um, she's the daughter of my protagonist. And this book 
was sort of written by the protagonist, Juniper, to her daughter, Toei. Wow. Well, you know, it's so bizarre that as you're writing this, as you finish writing this and you're promoting it, we've got a climate crisis going on. I don't know if anybody's seen what's happening in Corfu and the Greek islands. People are being evacuated. The wildfires are out of control. I read that the waters in Miami have, I couldn't even believe it. Said, is this a typo? The, the water is like over a hundred degrees. It's not a typo. Exactly. Um, this is actually happening and we're writing about it, but can we stop it? It's, it's just beyond comprehension that we have a solution, all of us gathered, uh, that, and that's what Unshade DD is all about, offering people a solution that would solve uh, not only the climate crisis, but also world hunger and get people healthier and stop the suffering of billions of animals. And, you know, it, it's hard to get people to listen to it. We've got another caller, Michelle in Los Angeles, your question or thought for our incredible creative team joining us here. Hi. Well, I think the books are fantastic. And I was wondering, is there um, a plan to get them in schools? Because if uh, kids could get this early on and really realize that zoos are not what they are, they're like glorified prisons, as you say, that would be amazing. Great question. Cynthia, you want to take that away? I guess we're going to have to ask Governor DeSantis. Um, <laughs> uh, let, let me not do that. Let's go ahead, Sam. So, yes, we do have plans to uh, bring the books into schools. Uh, we're working on a curriculum right now with uh, a few professors here in Florida. But, uh, you know, to go back to uh, uh, the earlier point, you know, to do something like this, it's going to take political will. It's going to take the will of the courts um, and uh, the will of the voters to force the courts and to force politicians to take this a lot more seriously. And when you're talking about here in Florida, when you're talking about the Greek islands, um, we're talking about an existential threat that doesn't just damage coral reefs here in Florida, which are bad enough, but it literally makes it hard for Cynthia and I to live our daily lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm in Los Angeles, and I have to say, I think I'm in one of the cooler parts because I live right at the beach, but it's still incredibly hot. And uh, it, it, the valley is unbelievable. We've all heard about Phoenix, Arizona. We're hearing that delivery people are now saying, hey, we're passing out. We're, we're trying to deliver packages and we're passing out. And, you know, as you said, this is an existential crisis. And we are just seeing the first phase of it. Um, it's not even past the appetizer phase yet. So it's not just me saying this. Um, it's people like Sir David Attenborough, who has a great documentary called Breaking Boundaries. There's only a handful of boundaries. Once you break them, there's no going back. Once you've destroyed the ice caps and they've melted, you can't just go order some new ice caps. Okay. Uh, it's over. It's game over. And and what I think is is interesting is that the human species is a very arrogant species. And somehow we think we can't go extinct the way the dinosaurs went extinct. But we can go extinct. We absolutely can go extinct. And, you know, there's a threat of that happening. I mean, let's face it. If 
the if the planet becomes too hot to support life, it's game over. I mean, that's an obvious thing. That's why I urge everybody to download Unchained TV. This is our nonprofit's free streaming network filled with many, many hundreds, even thousands of videos, documentaries, and uh, plant-based cooking shows uh, that show us another way. Because at the very heart of all the destruction, um, arguably, one of the leading causes of climate change, many have made the case that it's when you calculate uh, in another way, it's the leading cause of climate change is animal agriculture. And animal agriculture is the same mentality behind kidnapping happy and uh, putting happy in a prison. It's dominion that we have the right to do this. But uh, we, we may have the might to do it, but do we have the moral right to do it? Certainly not. All right, we've got another caller, Lindsay, in Woodland Hills, California, where it's probably very hot. What's it like there in Woodland Hills, which is the valley? And what's your question? Well, oh, yes. Well, thank you. Uh, to give you an example, I'm having a little get-together this weekend, and as we speak, my handyman is over at Home Depot looking for a sprinkler system uh, so that it could help to keep people cool. I mean, that's how bad now... Normally, it's not that hot here as it is now. It is incredibly hot. The valley tends to be hotter, but I'm in an area where there's a lot of trees, et cetera. So it normally isn't that bad, but it's incredible out there. My dogs come in in two seconds. And it's funny, my comment is, I'm so glad that you're doing this work. We need every voice out there. And in a compelling way that's going to have people not tune out to the message, Yesterday on the news, talk about the corals, I heard them saying that because of the heated water, corals are dying, and they were actually talking. They actually mentioned animal agriculture, cutting down on meat consumption. It was on one of the news networks. It doesn't happen a lot, but it's slowly happening, probably not fast enough. So, But thank you for what you're doing. All right. Well, thank you. And do you have a question for our authors? Well, that was just my comment. Thank you for, um, you know, doing this work and finding a way in with your voice. You know, writing books about it, writing compelling books about it is a great way, as Jane said, with uh, catching people when they're driving. They can put it in and listen to it, books on tape. So thank you so much for your work. And I can't wait to read the books myself. So let me ask you, thank you, Lindsay. Let me ask you about the creative process. I Full disclosure, I've written a couple of novels, and guess where they went? In the fireplace. Because I looked them over and I said, okay, I, I wanted to say, just like I ran one marathon, that I did it and I got to the end. But these novels are not good. I have written four books, including New York Times, two New York Times bestsellers, but those were nonfiction. So to me, nonfiction is a heck of a lot easier than fiction. So I want to go back to MC Ronan. What is your creative process? Because you are so prolific, you're churning them out. How do you have the confidence to, you know, invest in your characters and, and what drives you? Well, I am vegan and an animal rights activist first and foremost. And writing for me is an extension of my activism for the animals and now also for the planet, which is one and the same. Um, it's interesting what the, the just the last caller said, that she saw it on the news. I think I read somewhere 
um, that about 90% roundabout of uh, news reports do not mention animal yeah. agriculture as part of climate change. So we hear so much about climate change, but how much do we hear about animal agriculture? Almost nothing. It's such a hard potato, hot potato. And I think obviously one of the reasons is that the funding that goes into those stations, into those reports, uh, comes from those industries. So it's, it's a kind of uh, a trap. But um, so, yeah, I... In my core, in my being, I I try to do everything I can to voice the issue of the animals who are slaughtered, who are exploited, who are abused for humans. And um, one of the things that I do well is write. <laughs> um, I I do it so easily. I don't know. It comes out easily. I wrote all my life. I just didn't publish. And let, and me, so ju let me jump in. You've won some awards. I know yeah. that you're very modest, but I, I want you to talk about that and tell us what awards you've won, because, you know, I think sometimes people just like they actually scoff at our message that there's another way of living that doesn't involve killing that could literally save not only the animals, but your health and the planet. Um, it's the same thing with these books. I mean, what awards have you won? Um, so um, for the trilogy, for the Liberation Trilogy, I won the Gold Star Literary Titan Award and um, also the Vegan Choice Award where I was compared. So the literary, the, the Liberation Trilogy was compared to George Orwell's 1984. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man, that's amazing. Okay, we've got another caller, Annie, in Sherman Oaks. Your question or thought as we discuss these two incredible um, works and actually three authors who are revealing their creative process and using it to speak up for animals. Go ahead. Oh, thank you so much, Jane. Thank you for having the show and thank you all for being here. Your incredible work, I cannot appreciate enough. I love that you're documenting, documenting and giving it to us in books. Uh, do you have resources included in your books as to what people should do, what sites to go to, where and how to make a difference? To know the fact is one great thing you're doing, and I can't appreciate you enough for that. But do you also have it included in your book? where to contact, who to contact, aside from Unchained TV with Jane, of course, and you're buying your book. So that's an important thing because we want this to go into schools, into libraries, and for people to know after being frustrated about the reality, what are the solutions and how can we access them? Does that, am I making sense? Absolutely. But I have to say that while we want to put everything but the kitchen sink in our works, sometimes you can buy back the sale with too much information. And so I think, you know, I always liken it to when you go into a shrink's office, within an hour, they probably know all your problems, but then it takes you seven years to figure them out on yourself. And they sit there going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because until you figure it out, until you connect the dots, it really doesn't work. Sam, you're nodding your head. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think you're absolutely true. Uh, you're absolutely right on this. Um, you know, we recommend, and it's something I learned from Steve, actually, Stephen Wise, our co-author, um, 
is to educate uh, a new generation of lawyers, a new generation of judges, a new generation of politicians to really think about what you said earlier in the in the newscast, which is our dominion over you know the non-human world, as David Attenborough put it. You know, um, we have to totally rethink that, and that begins with changing a paradigm of a young child or even an aspiring lawyer when they're in college and impressionable and ready to learn um, new things about how the law works, about how our society works. I think we get a lot of traction when we focus on them. And unfortunately, it might be too late if that's the only thing we do. So other things to think about are supporting organizations like the Non-Human Rights Project, who are out there trying to get animals a certain, just a, a basic uh, 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 right to, to bodily liberty. If Let me ask you about that a little bit, because it's been in the courts back and forth, and it's it's almost hard to keep up with. My understanding is that Happy the Elephant, the Non-Human Rights Project, Stephen White, Wise went to court and got up to, I believe, what, the highest court in the land? And there were dissents, powerful dissents. Some of the judges agreed that these animals deserve personhood, but the majority didn't agree. Is that a fair assessment? Correct me if I'm wrong. And what happens next? So totally fair assessment. Um, every case, they pick up more dissents and a, a larger uh, crowd of people saying, hey, the courts don't have this right. And that's sort of the way the courts are supposed to work. Um, but they made it all the way up to the Court of Appeals in New York, which is, as you said, the highest uh, court in the land. And they picked up two very powerful dissents. The, the opinion against Happy was 17 pages. 120 pages or more was devoted to uh, the dissent. So uh, that goes to show you that people are having some very strong emotions about the way courts have historically looked at these things and the direction that we have to go. And so have courts in the rest of the world. This is already changing. It's even changing in uh, little, uh, little by little in uh, parliaments. Even New Zealand's parliament mm -hmm. has acknowledged some rights to nature uh, uh, through treaty negotiation. So you know, we would we would like to see more uh, 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 parliaments, uh, um, uh, congresses, and courts start thinking like uh, Ecuador, like uh, 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 like other countries that have made some room for the non-human world to have a legal voice. And I want to give another shout out to New Zealand. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, New Zealand, I believe, has banned live export, which is a huge, huge battle in Australia and New Zealand. And New Zealand, I think, has eclipsed Australia by being on the forefront of that. That was my understanding. Uh, MC? Yeah, it's true. However, this is... Um it's it's in jeopardy because if we, we have a national election coming up in October and if the national party wins the election and forms a government, they have already announced that they might bring back live exports. So it's a wonderful a win, but we always need to remember that the fight is not over until it's over and it's very much still happens. It's still fought. Oh, you are absolutely right. There's something called the EATS Act right now in the United States Congress that they are debating and discussing that would wipe out all the progress we've made for animals. And there's one legislator who always wants to stick it in and he's trying to stick it in the farm bill. So I have, every time I get all these emails, I write to my senators and my member of Congress, defeat the EATS Act, defeat the EATS Act. And if you um, are watching, 
absolutely. Say no to the ETAC. Talk to your two senators and your member of Congress immediately. It is so important. The Center for uh, Humane Economy is leading that fight, as well as some other organizations um, in defense of animals. We've got to stay on top of that. All right, we're going to take a short break on Voice America Radio, but we're staying live on the Unchained TV app. We'll be back in a second, but don't go anywhere. We're going to continue talking because we are on the Unchained TV app right now. So let me tell you a little bit. Get Unchained. Tune in every Wednesday for Unchained TV on the Voice America Variety Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and the founder of the Unchained TV free streaming network, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Unchained TV, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Unchained TV. To reach the show today, call in to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email in to jane at unchainedtv.com. Now, back to the show. We are here with some extraordinary authors. I am so inspired by them because, like I said, I've written a couple of novels and put it right in the fireplace. But um, we've got MC Ronan, who is in New Zealand, who's written this incredible, absolutely extraordinary trilogy uh, with an animal rights theme. You can get this on Amazon, as well as another book called Dear Tui, A Warning About Climate Change. And then along with that, we've got Thing and the two of the authors behind Thing, which is this incredible uh I want to describe it correctly, and maybe I'll ask you to describe it, because a lot of times when we talk about graphic novel or graphic this, graphic that, I don't know what the correct terminology is, but just take a look at some of the illustrations. These are just two. They're absolutely incredible, and they have a message. 
Um, Sam and Cynthia, Cynthia has joined us as well, your co-authors, along with Stephen M. Wise of the Non-Human Rights Project. Tell us about the creative process when it comes to um, writing a book, but a lot of the writing is actually drawing or painting, however you would describe it. Uh, Cynthia, take it away. Well, you know, a lot of what we do collaboratively, uh, you know, the main focus of the design work is focused right over here with Sam. I do a lot of the principal artwork on the book. My job is to make everything look so inspiring that you want to keep turning pages and to go ahead and tell a story with those pictures, kind of like a documentary. It's true that graphic novels have, they, they have a wide berth of things that they can go ahead and do for you in the fiction world. But in the nonfiction world, uh, the, this has not been a tried and true uh, way of disseminating information. This is one of the only books of its kind on the market. Well, elaborate on that. It's the, uh, how is it the only book of its kind on the market? We are actually talking about uh, more in-depth things in the simplest ways that we can. You can only put so many things in a narration box. Uh, we can't blanket with information as much as show people how things are actually working and show people how things are done through pictures. Um, the words and the pictures just go together in order to give that information and to inspire people to want to look into the matters further. So I'm looking at these, you know, when I was trying to read them, I couldn't, because you'd obviously have a much larger book, read some of the messaging. Can you summarize what it is the message is from this particular uh, page of your book? Yeah, so um, that uh, that page um, was uh, depicting some um, some interactions that we have seen uh, apes and monkeys have when they begin exploring themselves in a mirror. The uh, the mirror self -rec recognition test or the MSR is the standard way that we determine whether or not an individual has a concept of themselves and recognizes themselves as a distinct entity that they can see their reflection, they know they're looking at themselves, and then they start exploring that. And it's something that we do to children around two or three years old to see how they're developing. And what we found is that other primates and include and, and animals that are primates, like uh, 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 happy, um, can recognize themselves in the mirror. And uh, that's what that particular uh, page was depicting. Um, one yeah, what about this elephant one? Yeah, so here's a real interesting thing about elephants. You know, they, they communicate so much with their trunks and also with their sounds between each other. Um, and this was a indicate, and this was a panel that we designed where an elephant is actually helping uh, a baby elephant uh, uh, get up on its feet. And it's actually one of the things that you see the most often with elephants is this whole community, uh, this whole tribe that raises the children together and helps them learn to walk, helps them learn to talk, helps them learn to ask for help even. Um, they all work together to do that. And so it's sometimes easier for us to depict that with one or two very compelling panels than it is for us to throw in a bunch of footnotes that you can't do really in a graphic novel. Well, I think this is incredible. And also one of the problems that we have is, you know, people don't want to see the truth. I am very, very careful with how much graphic footage or imagery I show because it's so disturbing to people. But, you know, what I say is if it's too disturbing to look at, even for a second, 
Okay, this is from factory farming right here. These are recent undercover investigations, okay? Um, this is, I'll show you. Uh, this is a Canadian pig farm that had like the highest rating. <laughs> okay, and what did they do? They put the people who videotaped that on trial. And um, now a lot of them have criminal records for showing that, even though they live streamed it and said, we're showing this, please media come, please police come. The police uh, refused to prosecute. The media never showed up until they were put on trial. One of the reasons we started Unchained TV is for a lot of organizations, people have to get naked or they have to get arrested to get news coverage. And I've seen this with my own eyes. And I have not gotten naked and I have not gotten arrested. And that's a good thing, um, especially the, the former. <laughs> but the point is that um, why should we have to go to such extraordinary lengths of risking time in prison in order to, to get the media to do its job, which is not just to make their advertisers, fast food and pharmaceuticals feel good. It's to show the truth. Okay. Uh, recently there was, uh, a big, big story in Distilled and Quartz, which are two tiny publications, that um, the meat industry got the United Nations International, uh, the IPCC, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, to remove references that people should go plant-based uh, to mitigate climate change. And that is huge. That is a huge story. It should have been on the front page of the New York Times, but it was not reported. It's it in my been. book, by the way. Well, t yes, let's let's talk about that. Where who said that? Um, Maya M. C. Oh, Maya. Okay, yes. yes. Talk talk about that, Maya. That that specific <laughs> enraged me so much that I actually have it in my book, in a conversation that Juniper, as a child, has with her brother, his older brother, her old, older brother, and he's telling her about it. Oh, you can't believe it. And the, the IPCC and he's enraged and she's afraid because what's going to happen? She's just a child and the, the future looks very bleak. So, yeah, all these things I incorporated into the book, everything that frustrates me found its way into the book. Now, you raised the point that um, how do you bring hardcore uh, content into people? I mean, how, why would they want to read it even? Um, I have to say that these books are, well, I'm vegan and this is my, um, my mission is to write vegan books with um, um, animal rights and planet um, message. But they are not just for vegans or animal rights people. They no, are for we don't everyone. Wanna, yes, uh, we don't want to preach the message is, we're, if, yeah, if This is a big problem with our movement is we're talking to each other. We're talking to each other right now, but hopefully people listening on Spotify and Google Play and iTunes and the Unchained TV streaming TV network and our Facebook page and our YouTube page and our Twitter page and our LinkedIn page uh, would be would be not just vegans. We've got to get outside the vegan echo chamber. Go ahead. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, my books are very much not just for vegans. They are for pre-vegans, as I like to call them, and um, everyone, really, absolutely everyone. The, the messages interwoven into the messages are there, but they're not, oh, da-da-da-da. You, you, they're not loud and, and um, off-putting. Actually, the, the, the other way around, they're, they're, the books are very inviting. And, um, you know, we talked about audio and people don't read. But the one thing I hear most from people who read my books is I couldn't put the books down. 
I couldn't put the, them down. I read them like in two sittings or something like that. So even people who are not vegan would not be able to put the books down. And that's where the message, you know, it filters through. And at the end, just um, going back to one question that we had before about resources, I do have a call to action at the end of my book because Dear Tui, A Warning is a very hard-hitting book and it can leave you like uh, feeling, oh, what do I do now? So I don't want this to happen. What do I do? So I do have a few points that you can take in order to mitigate climate change and the first thing that you should do if you're not really already vegan is go vegan but there are other things that you can do that i just have them up as points yes and you know it's for a lot of people it's a process not an event i myself i've been vegan oh 27 years now approximately i wish i had my vegan date the way i have my sobriety date i know the mo the last moment that i had a drink and that was April Fool's Day, believe it or not, which is very appropriate. But I don't know my exact moment date of uh, going vegan, but I know it was very soon after I got sober. So, ah, I had some clarity, right? And uh, so uh, I would say that get on the journey, you know, get on the journey. Start incorporating more fruits, vegetables, nuts, and grains into your lifestyle. Um, you know, I myself learn every day thanks to uploading all these videos all the time i spend so many hours of my day uploading videos to our unchained tv streaming network and i'm learning so much i'll give you an example i was we created a climate and sustainability uh category and i'm uploading these composting videos and all of a sudden i stopped and said wait a second i'm a hypocrite i don't compost uh-oh so i went and i got a metal bucket that I happen to have in my closet and I put it in my refrigerator and then when I took the banana peel I threw it in there and then I'm like wait a second where am I going to put this then I con call called our building and I said you got to get a green composting bill all this now I compost and I'm enjoying it I'm enjoying it it gives me a sense of satisfaction and not going to leave that watermelon rind there to rot I'm putting it in the compost bin and now I'm telling the, the guys who uh trim the foliage hey put that stuff in the compost bin and they're like right on so actually that's how change happens and um i that's why i urge everybody download the unchained tv app one last thing i want to say about it is that you can text a video to a friend i'll give you an example there is a guy an older guy in my neighborhood said oh i've known him for years he's not vegan he goes i don't feel so good lately i said here i'm going to text you a film i texted him forks over nods he watched it and he said, I'm going to try to incorporate more fruits and vegetables into my diet. I mean, that's how change happens. Um, sure. Would I like everybody to go vegan overnight and be vegan by 6 p.m. this evening? Yes. But it's going to take reaching the other people out there. And so thank you for downloading the Unchained TV app and buy these books. I mean, we've got a few minutes here, but I want to make sure everybody knows that these books are available on Amazon for purchase. And I can't think of anything better to do than to go to Amazon right now and get them. Uh, you can get them on, well, I know MC, yours are available on, tin, on um, uh, Kindle. And you're going to work up to Audible. And where, tell me about the availability of Thing, if you would, Steve and Cynthia. Um, yeah, so Thing is uh, anywhere you buy books. You should be able to find it in your local bookstores, Barnes & Nobles, Amazon, 
Uh, bookshop.org if you want to give uh, indie uh, bookstores a fighting chance against Amazon. You know, that, uh, that's available for you too. And you can always get it from our publishers at islandpress.org uh, also. Um, so you can find us there. We are on Kindle. So you can find us on Kindle. And I believe Kindle also handles comicology. So if you're a comic book reader and uh, you're used to getting all your comics through comicology like we are, then you can read them right. You can read it right there also. So let me ask you about who the audience is, because a lot of uninformed people, such as myself, sometimes um, think, well, if it's if it's graphic, I know the phrase graphic novel. What is the phrase for graphic nonfiction? We don't have one yet. So we've been calling it a graphic novel or a nonfiction graphic novel and watch everybody's head. Uh, kind of turn it around for a second. Exactly. This is one of the first in its, in, of its kind in the marketplace. So what we're trying to do is have an, an open audience, if you will. Anybody can pick up this book and understand what's actually happening. Whether you agree with it or disagree with it, it's still ample information to go ahead and make an, your opinions, base your opinions on. So that's how we're marketing that. Do you think it's appropriate for children? Or is it more appropriate for adults or everybody? I would say that the reading level is probably better for a, a middle school student uh, and up, but totally appropriate for children. We certainly didn't put anything in there that we thought we wouldn't want to explain to our nieces and our and our nephews. Um, so uh, our kids are all grown up now. So uh, we've all had very frank talks, and they're the ones who got us thinking about animals and thinking about going vegan. Uh, and so, uh, uh, in fact, Forks Over Knives is what I gave my mother to have her think about it too. So, uh, yeah. you know, we have three generations in our family now that uh, have all made that change. And uh, I have to thank my kids for being the ones that uh, brought it to my attention. Well, actually, interestingly enough, it's often the children who are repelled by meat and they're um, misguided parents force it down their throats and say, hey, this is what you have to eat. It's good for you. And often they're feeding them processed meat, which is officially cancer causing, <laughs> according to the World Health Organization. That includes bacon, hot dogs, deli slices, how a lot of people consume meat on a, deli on a daily basis. Look it up. It is officially a carcinogen, according to the World Health Organization. Now, if you were giving kids cigarettes, people would call child services on you. But even, you know, I was just listening uh, to a, a major network yesterday. And I say listening because I listen when I drive around to the cable networks. And they're talking about how, well, there's these plant-based products, but, you know, meat has the protein and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, it has cholesterol. It has the antibiotics. It has the chemicals. It's If it's processed, it has a, a carcinogenic element, and you're not discussing that at all. And the doctors don't talk about it either. Doctors, and I go to on one of the top um, medical centers in the United States and the world, they ask you whether you used to drink. They ask you whether you used to smoke, and they do not ask you whether you are eating animals uh, or animal products because it's left out of the equation. The time will come when it can't be left out of the equation anymore. And, you know, it reminds me of that movie, Don't Look Up, where uh, I don't know how many seen that movie, but it's so brilliant. It's a metaphor for climate change where these two people uh, – 
are on the show, this morning show, and they're like, a meteor's coming, it's gonna kill us all. And the, the host is like, chill out. This is a morning show, we're upbeat. You know, it's like, hello, this is a crisis. We've got another caller, Michael in Los Angeles, your question or thought for our panel. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Um, I just wanna say that uh, I've read, I bought and read all of Maya's books. They're all amazing. I highly <laughs> recommend it. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to ask a question that the whole panel is um, what inspired you to write these books? Uh, I just was curious as what was the, uh, the emphasis, you know, to write, the, write about the, this issue, you know, very important issue. Uh, well, you know, that's probably the best question of the day, and I didn't ask it. So let's uh, start with Maya, and we'll go then to Sam and Cynthia. Thank you so much for the, to the caller. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, my frustration and fear. I'm driven by my frustrations and fears. I am afraid of climate change and that the tr I have children. I'm afraid of the kind of planet that we're going to leave them, if any. And um, I'm frustrated by the lack of awareness and the lack of, of um, media um, rallying against um, animal agriculture. And so, yeah, and as an activist and a writer, I combined the two and there we go. And I have to say in New Zealand, we had um, the, uh, the mirror image of fires. We had flooding and we had a cyclone, which is like a hurricane in the Southern hemisphere. And we had it in summertime. So that was February, January, February. And it was devastating, absolutely devastating. And we're still suffering the consequences of these uh, cataclysmic events that um, everyone said, oh, it's a one-off in one off. We had, we had them still. Um, it's it's still happening. So it's not the one-off anymore. It's happening again and again. And I just feel like uh, I'm driven by because I'm a writer. So that's my that's what I do. So through writing, I want to bring this problem <coughs> to people's uh, attention. All right. I want to get your process, Sam and Cynthia. Take it away. Um, well, for me. Uh, the inspiration was this, this, this almost like a, an existential need, very much an angst um, that we totally need to rethink how we relate to the world that is not simply a human world. Our, our, our way of looking at things is totally from a human point of view, and we don't really take in consideration that you know our environment needs things, that it might have a right to procreate and exist, um, and that other beings in that environment might also have a right to procreate and exist, not just humans. And that angst that, 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 that really was driving me to think differently eventually led to my creative outlet. I've always been an artist. I've always been a cartoonist, uh, regardless of what my degrees are, regardless of what I do professionally. I'm a cartoonist and, a, and an artist first. Oh, how wonderful. Cynthia. Um, my inspiration mainly was for the orca uh, going into this. Um, I remember very early on getting into the scene where I was learning about how we treat animals and agriculture. And one of the first things I came across was Lolita, the killer whale, uh, Tokate. Uh, now we yeah. try to call her um, here in Miami. Um, mm -hmm. I was always really big into going to SeaWorld and to going to zoos and to looking at the animals when I was very, very young. But as I got older, I realized what that actually entailed. Uh, for the animals and their health was not good in these environments. So uh, this is really what inspired me to go ahead and show some of these depictions and try and find a better way to go ahead and have these animals maintain their autonomy, maintain their freedom, and be able to lend my own artistic value to it. 
Um, quick question. We've only got a couple of minutes. Maya, are you considering turning your trilogy into a screenplay that could turn into a movie or the single novel uh, about Tua? Yeah. Oh, this is, by the way, this is my co-writer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, I wrote um, the screenplay for The Shed for the first movie. It actually got some accolades. Um, um, I came quarter-finalist in, in a, some competition, Santa Barbara International Screenplay or something. And um, But I kind of let it go because I started writing Dear Tui and I kind of dropped it. But there is already a screenplay for the first book. And I definitely, mm -hmm. once the dust settles on Dear Tui uh, launch, I definitely intend to go back to it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think uh, that would be extraordinary. Um, you know, when I look at you, I always think of uh, J.K. Rowling. You have that same, you know, it's M.C. Rowan, J.K. Rowling. And, uh, you know, guys, when I look at you, I think of St Stephen King. Okay? Come on. Let's, we've got, we've got so much possibility here. Um, I, I want to say this has been so inspiring. And if you have a book or a movie, or a documentary in your head, go for it, you know? Uh, my my dream would be, be to be able to put the trilogy on Unchained TV as a movie. Would you do that? What do you think? Absolutely. Well, I want to say that everybody, support these books. Get them uh, however you want to get them. I know you can get them in other places. If you just want to go on Amazon, I provided the links. But there are other ways to get this book. If you don't want to use Amazon, I totally respect that. Um, please support these authors because what they are doing is absolutely crucial. We need to use every creative process. There are violinists who are doing incredible things for the movie movement. There are accountants who are doing incredible things for the animal rights movement. Uh, whatever your skills are, you can use it to make a more compassionate world. And, of course, I'm going to leave you with download the Unchained TV app. It is free. It is so easy to download on your phone. One word, Unchained TV. We will see you next time here on Voice America Radio. Thank you for tuning in to Unchained TV. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.